0: Welcome to MSU Today. I'm Bill Beekman, Vice President and Director of Intercollegiate Athletics. And uh, on today's program, we're joined by Aaron Souza, Dean of the College of Human Medicine, and a colleague of mine from many, many years ago when I spent time in the college myself. And uh, uh, Aaron, we'll start off with... uh, uh, just you know sort of letting people know how the college of human medicine is is so unique and uh and really born out of a, an era in the uh you know back in in you know what seems for some probably like a lifetime ago back in the the late 60s and early 70s with this concept of a community based medical school and uh and and we were really you know a pioneer medical school in that regard and so could you explain to us how how the College of Human Medicine as a community-based medical school is unique and different from what people might think of as as a traditional medical school they might be familiar with and and the advantages that that gives us in in how we serve the people of the state of Michigan.
1: I'd be delighted to, Bill. So the college is a child of the 1960s um which uh, for many of us is a lifetime ago for some people it's two lifetimes ago, for example, our students right now, most of them, that's two lifetimes ago. And, and at that time across the country, medical schools were really only based out of big, huge central hospital academic medical centers. And uh, at the time, uh, the state was interested in another medical school. The legislature wanted to have another medical school. And the university saw a place um, as a land grant institution, really as the pioneer land-grant institution, that it could do something different. So it set up a medical school where students started in their first two years, which are mostly basic science in East Lansing, and then they did their clinical training in campuses around the state. So one of the first uh, new campuses was in the Upper Peninsula, and nobody had ever done anything like that before, tried to train medical students in their clinical years in the third and fourth year where they're in clinics and working with physicians, uh, taking care of patients in a rural setting like that, we also had students in Flint and Grand Rapids and in Lansing. Um, over the years, some of our campuses have changed a little bit, but that same—that was that same philosophy that the best place for people to learn to be a physician is with the people they will eventually be taking care of—stays uh, with us and our dedication to those communities is a part of what makes us different and special. We were leaders in that. Almost every medical school now has some sort of community experience for students. And there are more than 80 medical schools across the country that now think of themselves, at least in part, as a community-based medical school. So we were real innovators. And it's been a great thing for our students. They get great training with people that they will eventually take care of. Um, most of our students end up practicing in Michigan um, after, after they've finished their training. And our communities have been incredibly generous and thoughtful. And you know, I think as we'll get a chance to talk about, um, they've been interested in having the college do more there. And that has led to development of research, economic development, opportunities for people in, in those communities. It's, it's been a really great symbiotic relationship.
0: Well, and I think that you know, in terms of the community-based model, is one of the the real strengths of the model. On the one hand, uh, you know, we're we're teaching students across the state of Michigan, and and yet a, a student in Marquette, for example, gets the the same uh, you know, the same baseline education that a student in Flint gets, or in Grand Rapids, or Lansing, or elsewhere. Uh, but but the but it's sort of the, the best of both worlds because then, depending on what uh, community we're in, uh, you know, it seems as though we we sometimes have unique points of emphasis in those communities, and uh, you know, I I think that you know typically uh, our, our our campus in, in Marquette in the Upper Peninsula, you know, we've we've uh, recruited students uh, who might be either from uh, the northern Lower Peninsula or the Upper Peninsula who then. Go back to those more more rural settings uh, for their practice, um, but you know, to me, one of the more interesting developments of the last decade has been the public health work that we do in Flint, and uh, and and sort of uh, in a uh, uh, I was going to say a perfect storm. It was sort of maybe the the reverse of a perfect storm. I I don't know, but you know, in terms of the tragedy that really occurred there with the Flint water crisis. You know, we were, as a as a medical school in the city of Flint, with a public health focus, prepared to help the people of that community in a unique way. And so, could you share with us a little bit about the the unique public health mission of the of the Flint campus?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're so very right that each community has its own sort of uh, flavor or our own relationship with the people in that community in Traverse City, Midland, and the Upper Peninsula. It tends to be with a rural focus. Um, And in uh, Flint, a a little bit more than about 15 years ago, we really started working with Flint and the CS Mott Foundation on what kinds of development that we could do there. And and everybody sort of landed on a public health focus. And importantly, uh, a focus on community-based participatory research. So it was a community that really didn't want to be biopsied anymore. There had been plenty of research done on them, but not so much that they actually participated in. So we had a group of people who went to uh, more than 100 community meetings, 4,000 surveys, and a big committee of folks in the community, not just hospital CEOs and insurance CEOs and people like that, but actual regular folk. And they were focused on, they wanted us to focus on three kinds of research uh, healthy behaviors, behavioral health, um, and chronic disease. And not just what happens with those, but actually work to reduce disparities um, in health. So we set up a public health unit there focused on community based participatory research along those uh, areas, started hiring folks. And uh, that Start That happened just before the Flint water crisis kind of broke. And so we had people in place and working together on public health research. Um, Hurley, um, Janice, and McLaren were all deeply engaged in that partnership. And one of the folks at Hurley and one of our faculty, Dr. Mona hanna Atisha, did some work looking at the levels of lead in children in Flint. Um, showing that that had been going up, and and you know the people of Flint had been saying for a long time that their water was not safe. Um, and there's a large, complicated piece about how they had lost um, the power of the ballot box um, because of a state manager. They their city council couldn't make decisions, so their representatives couldn't change things. Um, and so, in a lot of ways, those folks weren't listened to except by some academics, um, including Mona. And we had people there who were able to work with Mona and help Mona, including a geographer, Rick Sadler, who really, those folks did the science that tied the age of the water to the exposure of children to lead to the lead in their blood, and really sort of tied a bow around the science and, and how that went. Since then, Mona has joined us. She's a CS Mott Professor. We have um, the Flint Registry. Lead Registry is now based out of Flint. It's funded by the CDC. Um, um, They have about uh, 30,000 people who are either enrolled or pre-enrolled. They've done 17,000 assessments. Um, So they are really delivering on making the world a better place um, to try to help the people of Flint. And uh, it's, it's been remarkable uh, to watch. At the same time, the rest of that public health unit, which is led by Deborah for Holden, uh has been really successful at, at bringing uh, research opportunities to the community. So we just did an economic analysis. There are more than 800 job years there in the last five years. So the federal money comes in to do research. Um, that is another, each of those we those grants fund people in places like Odyssey House and other community agencies where the research is done to try to find interventions that make life better for those folks or and really for all around the country and the world and that's been worth a hundred about a little under a hundred million dollars in economic development for the Flint community in addition to access to better care and assessments like through the flint Lead registry. It's it's really remarkable. It's something that, uh, that of the things I've been involved with uh, in the college, it's one of the things that I think we can be most proud of.
0: Well, and Aaron, I, I really like the way you say, you, you talk about how it's, uh, it makes the world a better place. When I talk to our student athletes um, and, and, and occasionally I'll talk about what, what the definition of a Spartan is. And I tell them my definition of a Spartan is, is a person who makes their corner of the world a better place. And in uh, whatever, that, uh, whatever their, their future may hold for them, uh, whatever you know, pathway to a career or, or whatever, whatever, whatever else they may do in their life, if, if they're making their corner of the world a better place, then, then they're a great Spartan. And, uh, and certainly, uh, there's, uh, you know, the work that we're doing in Flint is, uh, is exactly that. Um, so moving geographically from Flint, uh west across the state uh, i had the opportunity this weekend to uh to drive through grand rapids and uh, uh i'm always very proud of the uh the work that that we're doing there um in, in part because i uh uh very earlier early in my career i was uh, i was invested in it quite a bit but uh but but always to see the Secchia center is a uh, i think a very has a very special place uh with me but i was really quite excited that um to see the progress on in the uh the sort of the research triangle that that we have uh just just west of the Secchia center and uh and i've been in the first research building but to see the progress on that second building is really quite remarkable and uh, so could you sh- you know, share with us a little bit about the you know the extraordinary research work that's going on in grand rapids and that i think kind of is is that community's niche area?
1: Yeah, it really is an amazing story. And uh, it actually, uh, you know, Bill and I met over Grand Rapids. I mean, this was, I was a young faculty member and Bill was working in the college and, and we were trying to figure this out. And I had just uh, taken on the educational duties for the college and Bill drove me over to Grand Rapids and said, well, what do you think of this building? this is a spot for a building. Um, so way back in the aughts, and um, there was a vision, right? This is, um, the phila- philanthropic community in Grand Rapids had a real vision of, of what that community needed to grow and uh, to be, um, to expand and create an intellectual economy and opportunities for new care and cutting edge care for the people of the community. And they thought that what they needed was to have a medical school with their hospitals. And they have a couple of great hospital systems there, namely Spectrum and St. Mary's. And um, and so having CHN, the College of Human Medicine there turned out to be a linchpin for their future development. Um, The university acquired some airspace, um, which is where the Secchia Center is, named after Peter Secchia, who was a great friend of the university and the college. And then uh, land down below that, if you know Grand Rapids, where the old Grand Rapids uh, press building was and along the river. And that land down below at the bottom of the medical mile, is where we put our first research building. Now the Doug Meyer Medical Innovation Building is uh, the walls are all up. And uh, that is the largest single individual gift to the college um, was uh, Doug Meyer's really generous gift to try to put in a radiopharmacy there, which will be a cutting edge uh, piece of technology to help people um, in that community as well as help us push science uh, to new ways of diagnosing and treating cancer and, and other diseases. So, as time has gone by, there's yet another building there. Um, um, it will be a building uh, just on Monroe Avenue that uh, Peregros will be in. And the last couple of buildings are public-private partnerships. So, MSU is not, the state is not paying for those buildings. MSU is not paying for those buildings. Those are partnerships with private development that um, they build buildings that uh, people are leasing to move into with jobs coming to downtown, um, as well as cutting edge science and partnerships with the university and the college. It's uh, remarkable work. It's one of the things that Norm Beauchamp, Dean before me, um, had done in at uh, the University of Washington and then since uh, put together with Jerry Coyman and some other folks in Grand Rapids. It's uh, I, when you think about the 15 years, or I guess almost 20 years since we started that work, it is really astonishing to see what has developed there. And it, it's been huge for the community. It's hundreds of millions of dollars in in jobs and grants and, and uh, development. It's, uh, it's been a great success.
0: And it, it, it really is extraordinary. And uh, yeah, there's a, a, uh, a little building, uh that sits across, kind of across the street from the Van Andel Institute. In fact, I I didn't drive by it this week, and I'm not sure it's even there anymore. But uh, a little one-story building that was our first office in Grand Rapids, and uh, I think uh, uh, I I had a key, and and I think Marsha Rapley had a key, and a few other folks, and uh, we sort of uh, hung out there uh, as we did our planning and uh and and work on on building the the various buildings and uh to think from that that little sort of one-story brick office to to where we've come is just it's just sort of beyond uh beyond one's imagination that it's all it's all come to fruition in the way it has and the partnerships as you say with st mary's and spectrum and the uh the the opportunities for collaboration in that community are are really special and uh you know, and I think that at it, at our best sometimes as a medical school, it's those uh, relationships that we build in the community. You know, as you mentioned in, in Flint with really the community itself um, in Grand Rapids, those hospital partnerships are are critical to our success. And, you know, it was really, really exciting to see the college announce uh, its sort of its most, most uh, newest relationship, I guess with the, uh, the Henry Ford uh, healthcare system in, uh, in Southeast Michigan. And so what, uh, you know, what do we, uh, if that's just just getting off the ground. What do we expect to come from that? And what are the unique aspects of that relationship that we should know about?
1: Yeah, I think that it gets to really the, the way the college is put together and its relationship with hospitals and, and how the health economy works so in a, in a traditional big academic medical center, the clinical work of a hospital often helps the research work happen. And the research work and, and education work. And, and the, that cycle, um, then through more research and education, more patients come. And that helps the clinical operation. And uh, that turns into um, really a a p- very powerful engine of discovery and opportunity for students and patients, and it's economically good for the community as well. Ch the College of Human Medicine in Michigan State don't own hospitals, so the plus the the downside of that is we don't have that natural cycle um, to reinvest into research. The good news is we don't have a hospital to fill. So people build you know a nine hundred million dollar hospital, they've got to make sure they've got enough patients in there, or else they can't pay the bills. And we don't have that requirement, which makes it a lot easier for people to partner with us because we don't have to compete with them on clinical, uh, in the clinical enterprise. I, I, you know, Henry Ford, uh, I think, views their future success as tied to being able to bring in cutting edge uh, clinician researchers and scientists so that their patients have access to the best, best care in the world. And a part of what those kinds of physicians and look for is an academic um, an, an academic um, environment. And I, I want to be clear, Ford has an academic environment, but they don't have the traditional parts of a university academic status. So that if you um, want that, and you want to become a chair, or you want to become a dean, or you want to develop in those circles, you're Sometimes those institutions, it's a little diff- more difficult to be successful. So, having a, a university like Michigan State, and this is absolutely a partnership between not just the college, but the rest of the university and Henry Ford, um, having that university relationship is really important to Ford. For us, it's the opportunity to hire more folks in research and more opportunities for students. And so, I, it's really clear from the development agreement, which is public. Um, that one of the first areas is going to be work on cancer and hiring researchers in cancer. I think that that will be a a great development for the the university to be able to bring in people to work on that. And that will help Henry Ford. And then there are some other areas that they're also interested, whether it's in neuroscience or public health or epidemiology. And so I think it's a great opportunity for the university to develop because we get a get to participate in a bit of that clinical research education cycle that has been so important to academic medicine across the country and um, and around the world. And when you look at things like the basic science behind COVID vaccines and COVID testing and things like that, it it comes out of that cycle, our ability to handle new diseases or make, make a difference for people with diseases that have previously been untreatable is, comes out of that cycle.
0: So Aaron, we've talked a lot about the, the community-based model uh, at the College of Human Medicine at Michigan State. We've talked about how that has an impact on people from uh, the Upper Peninsula to uh, the people of, of Flint, uh, through our campus there, Grand Rapids, uh, Metro Detroit, and Henry Ford, really throughout the state, one of the questions I got a lot when I was in the college and we were working on the initial expansion to Grand Rapids was uh, some anxiety uh, from the people of the Lansing community who we've been serving for so many years um, that uh, that we might be leaving Lansing and and uh, and not able to uh, to serve this community as well as as we once had. And I think over the years, in fact, the, the reverse has been the case. That uh, as we've grown elsewhere, really we've grown in Lansing as well. So, we'll wrap up by sharing with us what you know what's going on in Lansing and uh, what are we what are we excited about doing here? Uh, things we're doing here in our own community. I
1: you know one of the things that's most exciting here is that uh, our clinicians, our faculty, are some of the best physicians in the city. So the neonatologists uh, the treat Kids at Sparrow, which is one of the best uh, neonatal care units in the state. Um, those are MSU people. That those are MSU employed uh, physicians, and uh, you know the people who take care of patients without physicians at Sparrow um, are mostly our internal medicine folks or our family medicine folks. So there's a lot of care that we directly provide, and our students get trained here. And of course, the university is a huge operation. So um, much of our research, or it's grants that happen here and people who who do their work here and bring collaborators in. I do think, you know, there's a real opportunity to do more in Lansing, right? One of the things that has happened in in Flint and Grand Rapids is that there's been a philanthropic partner who brings the hospitals and the university together to build. And that is, you know, we could get a long philosophical discussion about the differences in the growth between Lansing and Indianapolis and Columbus and Madison over the last 40 years. Um, Now, Indianapolis and and Columbus have I-70 That that's a real economic engine for them. But, you know, all three of all those other school those other uh, cities all have um, big Ten universities with medical schools but they also have big hospital partnerships and I think that that's one of the opportunities that we have here it's one of the things that uh, excites me about the community is the great potential when you when you bring to bear the power of a big Ten institution and it's exciting to have our students here and our faculty here um, and so it I, I just love being a part of that.
0: Well, we've been joined today by Aaron Souza, Dean of the College of Human Medicine at Michigan State University. And Aaron, I always try and uh, end these conversations on a fun note. So I'll ask you uh, one last question that has absolutely nothing to do with your job. And that is, uh, uh, you know, I, I know that the, the role of the Dean of the college is, is you know, it's gotta be one of the busiest, craziest, most challenging roles at the university. Uh, having uh, uh, worked in the college you know, some time ago, and, uh, and yet at the same time, um, there must be uh, a little bit of downtime, and when you find that downtime, what, what do you do for fun other than, uh, other than worry about the state of
1: healthcare in our state? You know, uh, my son and I and, uh, and my wife have, you know, spent a lot of time in our yard, whether it's gardening or digging up clay and trying to fire it into a pot um, and uh, and watching the the animals in the yard, I really just you know like being outside in Michigan whether it's in a kayak or in the garden and uh, I think that that's one of the great things about um, this part of the country. four seasons, great nature, getting over to the lakes um, those are the things that I think uh, I really enjoy when i'm I'm not with students or patients or faculty those are the those are the things I enjoy most. Wonderful. Well, thank
0: you so much for joining us. I feel as though we've just barely scratched the surface of the extraordinary work that the college does, but, uh, but that just means we'll have to uh, corral you into coming back sometime soon. So, Aaron, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: It's been a delight, Bill. Thanks so much.